Hey, uh, got a couple cool things. First off, um, Nate and his now wife are on their honeymoon right now, so we had a marriage within the church, Mr. and Mrs. Wise. They'll be back here soon. Also, uh, we had a couple babies born. We have new grandparents. The Av names are new grandparents with a granddaughter named Hadassah. And uh, also, we have Isaac Francis Fashioner. They're at home recovering. So Micah and Jackie are probably watching online. We love you. We miss you. And we have Margo Jones. That was Margo Lynn Jones that was born this week or about a week ago. And uh, I wish them a happy one-week birthday yesterday. So Cody and Kaylee, we miss you and glad you're able to rest at home and enjoy some family time. So anyway, lots of stuff happening. And I know for a fact, based on faith and based on promises, there are more babies to come. Okay? More babies to come. More life. More the gift of life. So all you married couples out there without babies yet, maybe you've not thought of it. Maybe you've uh, petitioned the Lord for it. They're yours. They're a promise, all right? And we're believing for you wherever you are in that journey. So yes and amen. Yes is his promise. Amen is your fun process. We'll leave it at that. All right. A uh, couple things. First off, I just want to um, thank you for your grace. This was, it's in my notes. We have been traveling a lot lately. We have, uh, it is a, a busy season for us at the Simmons residence. We, we're in basketball tournaments, volleyball tournaments. The season uh, for traveling volleyball just ended yesterday was our last tournament. As well as we went to our church in uh, Mexico and some other things. And I just want to thank you for your grace. Um, my first ministry is unto the Lord, but my second is my home, and it's my family. And I know Destiny talked about this last week, but my, my second ministry and the most important public ministry I have is my marriage and my kids. And I honestly just want to thank you for the grace as a church to a pastor to allow us to be with our kids on Sundays and to, to love on them and to be able to travel and to not have the pressure or to feel like I'm letting you down if I'm not here or if I'm not always behind the platform. So thank you for your grace. Thank you for your understanding. Thanks for allowing us, and my heart is to empower others. My heart is to get Corey's and Steve's and Josh's and other Steve's up here preaching and giving a word that's different than the word that I would bring, that's a different anointing, that's a different office than what I bring. And so it gives us the opportunity, but, but you're understanding in this the way that we at Upper Room do church. It's not just me every single week grinding it out and, and delivering the word, and the only one that's allowed up here. So it, first off, there is a freedom here. There's a freedom of failure here. There's a freedom of being able to just be you. There's a freedom to be vulnerable here. So I thank you for that, that culture and that's been cultivated here and that vulnerability that's here. There's a freedom of empowerment here. That this isn't just one person's stage or microphone or platform. This is literally just a vehicle for, for us in the kingdom, right? But also for the freedom for me to, to minister to my home and my family. So I just wanted to take a moment to thank you that I don't... Sorry. I don't take that for granted, that we are in an amazing place to where that pressure's not put on me, or if I miss a week, or if I'm doing something else, that, that I am not feel like I'm missing out. So we watched online, but it is not the same as to be home. So thank you. Thank you so much. You guys are amazing and awesome, and we love you. We appreciate you. So we're here for a while. We're, we're here for a few more weeks, and uh, I think I'm actually preaching a couple weeks in a row, so this is fun. But my friend Scott Thompson will be here in a couple weeks, in a few weeks, and we're doing some turkey hunting, but I'll be here Sunday. But, uh, but anyway, I just wanted to just, from the bottom of my heart, like, just really acknowledge that we have a special, special place here. 
that we feel like it's a top priority ministry, your family, your kids, your marriage, your relationships, um, and everything else like this for me is just an overflow of, of what's in my heart and just everything that's been cultivated through the week and everything else. So uh, kick, uh, Steve kicked off a fun series last week. It's, it's part three. It's like the third part of our series, Worship, Grow, Go. We've been like marinating in this and talking about it. Literally what we're doing is we are casting the vision of our mission of Upper Room and hopefully you personally. It is the mission. So for almost five months now, it'll probably end up being at least six, um, that, that we will be really going into Worship, Grow, Go. So we started the year off the way we feel we should start the year off. Worship, ministry unto the Lord, his presence, encounters, right? It is about him. It's him. It's encounters. It's us within him. It's us being filled up by him. It's the incense to him. And then, man, what happens to us in that realm of worship and that atmosphere of incense unto him. Then the grow, a healthy culture, a healthy relationships, healthy people, right? In a good environment, in a good, healthy culture, people can grow. So, and now, last week, Steve kicked off Go, and I know Destiny shared some heart about focusing on family and reaching her family, which is super cool. But I love what Steve says, that we become the message, we are the message. We become the message. So I love listening to the stories last week and, and being a part of that as I watched online this week. But I'm going to uh, just continue, but I'm actually going to take kind of a step back before I fully launch into Go. I love Go. Um, I love it all. I, I, I probably, if within the fivefold, more apostolic than anything else. So I love seeing people. I love seeing heaven come. I love seeing us walking and, and, and working and, and ministering and living life in a heaven realm. And I love seeing signs, wonders, miracles. I love sharing the gospel. I love seeing people activated and empowered, encountering the Lord, getting filled up, and then going, right? I love seeing the transformation of this process as, as we're called to do, right? We get transformed, and as Steve Bowen says, we're saved from something to be saved for something, we're not just saved, we're saved from and saved for. And, and it's this process within us to be like Christ and to, to shine a light before men, to be a city on a hill, right? So it's this fun thing, but, but I want to back up just a little bit, and I'm actually calling this like alignment for the assignment. Because I love signs and wonders. I've seen probably now thousands of miracles, creative miracles, extravagant things, withered up, uh, crippled, arthritic hands straightened out. I've seen scoliosis straighten up in, in, a, in a gentleman in the Dominican Republic. We've seen radical things. We've seen cancer healed, tumors dissolved, dead people raised. We've seen some pretty amazing things that we want to continue to push into because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus is perfect theology. He was the perfect example of how we walk the earth, right? He saw blind eyes healed. He saw deaf ears opened up. He saw dead people raised, right? So we too then get an invitation to this that it actually says that greater works we'll do than he did. And if you remember John, in that same book, it says that the series of books can't contain all of what Jesus did. So this is a fun invitation as believers, and even I'll go over next week Mark 16's version of the Great Commission, right? So it's this invitation to believers that we get to walk in this supernatural lifestyle of seeing God reveal himself in love. Let me, let me just, I'm, I'm going to get into this in the next few weeks, but... All of those things, and, and it, it gets scary, once I started seeing a lot of healings happening, I began to almost, um, it was scary, I began to almost worship the healing rather than the healer. 
because they're exciting, they're fun, like, Jesus, and you're celebrating the Lord, but you're like, man, well, then all of a sudden when it didn't happen or there was a failure or something or God didn't heal the way I felt that it should, then I was let down. See, if we begin to worship the prophetic word or the, the healing or the sign or the wonder, all of a sudden when it doesn't happen, our theology is a little messed with, but it's the healer that's worthy of worship regardless of what happens. So we are, it becomes an invitation for all of us to do this, but I want, I have to start on identity. I have to start for the alignment, for the assignment. I believe we all carry this assignment to go and to bring the good news and to, to bring signs and wonders and the Lord to use us in avenues that all of us are uniquely designed for, all right? We're uniquely anointed for. But we have to start, I believe, at identity. And, and I want to just start at the Great Commission here, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. We've been reading this every couple of weeks through this. It says, actually, I'm just going to start at 19. Everybody shout out, go. go. If, you're at long, if you're at home, just shout out, go, in your, in your room you're watching. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of age. And if you think about it, within the word gospel is go. Within the word God is go, right? So we are intended, and this is a fun way to think, like we're intended to go make disciples. It's in our going that we make disciples. And many of us, we've been raised in these realms that we're saying, come Jesus, come. Rescue us from this earth, right? And we are heaven bound. And that's an amazing final destination and final upgrade that we get to be a part of for eternity, right? But we've been praying, come Jesus, come, when he's been saying, I already came, go people, go. It's like, it's time. If we're here on earth and we're saved, we are meant for something. We are meant to, to, to go and we're meant to spread the good news and spread the gospel and love. Now, now let me just, just say what, one thing I got distracted on. Those signs and those wonders and those miracles and those prophetic words, do you know the goal of all of it is to reveal the Father's love? All of it is to bring people into a closer relationship with the Father. He loves us so much, he heals us. He loves us so much, he encourages us and warns us and, and, and gives us words to, to make us see ourselves differently than the way we may currently be seeing ourselves. Those are things with prophetic words. It's literally to highlight a person or us to the Father. The same thing with a miracle, whether it's that person or the people that are witnessing that, because a testimony becomes a prophecy. When the Lord begins to manifest and see miracles, signs and wonders, literally that's saying, okay, I can do this and this and this, and I'll continue to do it forever. If I heal that cancer, I can heal this cancer. If I heal that back, I can heal this knee, and et cetera. It becomes a prophecy. So, but it's all about love. So we're meant to go, but how do we go? And I'm gonna get into some, some nuts and bolts as we go in the next few weeks here. But if we find the why, then we'll find the way. We gotta figure out the why. The why is what compels us. The why is what motivates us. The why is what gets in us and becomes the foundation of love. We're rooted and grounded in love. Hey. Life is still in the air, right? It's fun. But one of the things he actually says is be you because everybody else is taken. Only you have your DNA. Only you have your gifting. Only you have your personality. Only you have your anointing. No one else can be you. God was this creative artist who made us all completely radically different. What a boring world we'd be if we all looked the same and had the same color of skin. The same type of hair. The same accent or voice or, or from the same way of thought. 
It'd be so boring, but God, like, like the artist today, is very creative, very amazing in this beautiful picture of what, how we're all supposed to be different. And it's, there's this alignment for the assignment. We, we led a school here for a few couple years. It was a school of supernatural ministry, and, and we did a, a final version of it, and that final version was really boiled down to like 13 weeks or less than 20 weeks, and there was three segments. Who is God? Who are you? And what do you do? See, I think there's something about before we can figure out what we're to do, or even how we're to do it, we gotta first know God. We gotta know whose we are and who we are. And whose we are, 951 titles of God in the Bible, 951 natures, 951 wills of the Father. And he's good and he's amazing. And when we begin to know him, our revelation expands and our worship goes deeper. And all of a sudden, out from that, we have these encounters, we have these experiences. We begin to glorify and minister to the Lord and build this history and have this table and this communion with the Lord and dig these wells and worship. Then all of a sudden, we start to know who we are and we start to grow and we start to believe in ourselves because God believes in us. God believes in you way more than you could ever imagine. He created you for such a time as this. Like, like think about it. Think about this. You, in this great big gigantic world, one of the things I love about hunting and hiking and and going out, and I've just had these beautiful moments with the Lord in in New Zealand and Colorado and Wyoming and and these places where I get to go experience the beauty of his creation. And I look out. I remember being in New Zealand. As far as we could see, like an ocean, we could see the rolling hills and the mountains and the cliffs and, and the waterfalls. And I begin to think, man, how small I am, and I might be stepping on ground that no one else has ever stepped on before. We hiked in for hours and hours and hours and packed in and camped, and then from there we hiked in more and more and more for the next couple days. And, and, and it's this beautiful encounter with the Lord that I had of how bit little I am, but how significant I am. You are significant. You might think you're small and, and, and tiny in this great big world, but you are significant, and you had a divine appointment for right now in history for right now during a pandemic, for right now during social or cultural issues, right now in a world that might be falling apart, God's got it all together. And you are a piece of this kingdom puzzle that gets put together and maybe, just maybe, leads somebody to an encounter with the great Messiah with the great creator of the universe, maybe somebody at your work, maybe somebody within your family, maybe your neighbor that nobody else has neighbors with. We don't have neighbors close by. Like we have one that's a little close and we have a relationship with her. Maybe you are the one that reaches that one neighbor. I can't reach the people that you're around. God puts you there, not me. Our job as a church is to worship him, to host his presence, and to equip the believers for the work of their ministry. That's, that's part of our main role here is to equip you for the work of your ministry, whether that's in a hospital as a nurse or at a school as a teacher, impacting lives. We went around the globe this week. And let me just, I was talking to my girls about, there's an addition, this beautiful addition being put up on, the, on a house near us. And I was like, hey girls, you know what that means? They're like, what dad? I was like, a value of our house is going up too. Because <laughs> when the value of that house goes up in our neighborhood, the value of our house goes up. So thank you Jesus for people improving their houses. 
So, and I, and I began to talk about them in the kingdom. I said, Leif is on his way to Pakistan right now, and his value is going up. I said, I was speaking at a school in Norway this week online, and my value went up. And so our family's value went up. The kingdom value went up. I was on the on an online video conference of this thing with Paul Yudal. 26 nations were tuned in. 400 people were watching from 26 nations, and we talked about this very thing, identity. Alignment for the assignment, raising the dead, going out and reaching the world and the lost. We have teachers that are in schools. Nicole spoke at chapel this week. We have teachers. We have all these people. Steve Bowen, a week or two ago, was training people to go out and show kindness evangelism in their community that's not close to here. Each one of you are playing this role to where our value as a family and as a kingdom is going up. Why? Because we're all spread out hitting these targets. Listen, there are arrows to be launched, there are stones to be laid, and there are batons to be passed. You are the arrows. You are the stones that change the landscape around you. You are the arrows that are launched where not all warriors can go. You are the batons that are receiving something from the generation above you. Let me just tell you, generation above you, you are passing batons. You are part of this thing. You are not forgotten. You are not too old. You are not less than or insignificant. We need your discipleship. We need your mentorship. We need to learn how to pray. We need to learn how to intercede and get on our knees and go before the Lord when everybody else is going to the news. We need women and men of, of season and maturity in the body of Christ to teach us to go on our knees before we go to Instagram. Us young generation, we need you. We need you to teach us how to pray for the politics rather than get fearful of them. There's batons that are being passed and each of us, we're passing and we're receiving, we're launching, we're, then you're hitting these targets that are meant for you. No, I don't want to connect my AirPods. I don't even think they're in the building. Psalms 139, 13 and 14. It's this beautiful thing. I'm kind of fired up today. It's been a couple weeks. I told Nicole, I was like, let's celebrate. Let's have a fun service day. I don't want to be so intense. I can't help it, okay? I get this little microphone on. I start talking with my hands and going crazy. And I love Jesus. I'm passionate. I'm passionate when I'm on sugar. I'm passionate when I'm not on sugar. I gave up sugar this week. It's been a rough week. I think I bashed 18 of those Reese cup eggs at, around Easter. Somebody bought me like two 12 packs or what were those? Like, huh? Two six packs and then I had like tons more coming in. I, I, I ate them all. And then like I'm like struggling and I've got headaches and I'm like, this something's changing here. I'm like, man, I've got to do something. So I, I gave, I was like, all right, Monday, Monday's coming, right? Friday came, Sunday, Sunday came. But then there's Monday. So I started Tuesday. So anyway, <laughs> Psalms 139, 13 through 14 says this. For you, were, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. All of Psalms 139 is this piece of, of being a child of God and identity and knowing the Father and knowing our Creator. And David is, is writing this song and this beautiful thing. And we painted that in our daughter's room. Every one of them, when they were born, they had that written over their head as they slept. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. God handcrafted you. 
He knew your most inner parts. He numbered the hairs that were on your head. He called you by name before you were ever conceived on this earth. You were his happy thought. When the Bible says, let us make man in our image, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit threw a party and he hand knit you together at the beginning of time for such as this moment. He knew you. He called you for right now to go, but to go with him, in him, and abiding in him. It's this great picture of a father. Zephaniah 3.17 says he rejoices. He, he literally writes a song and rejoices and delights in you. Can read that verse. It's this amazing thing. Like the Father created you, and He actually not only loves you, He likes you. Let me just put that thought in your head because I I I found out in my mid twenties that God loved me, and then all of a sudden, a few years later, I was realized that He also liked me. He not only loved me so much, he sent his son to die for me and, and save me from my wretchedness and my sin and to welcome me into eternity. He likes me and actually wants to spend time with me. He likes me and wants to go on wild journeys with me and, and likes me and likes to send me across the nations through Zoom. He likes me and likes me to, to, to be in New Zealand and just appreciate him and worship him and have these moments with him. And he likes me enough to, to actually bless me. And commission me and assign me and, and give me even some EGRs in my life to just love on. For those of you who are new with us, EGR, extra grace required. People, okay? Sometimes known as pain in the necks. Just kidding. I dearly love all people, all right? I used to not before I was saved. I hated all people, so I don't discriminate. I either hate all people, but now with Jesus, I love all people, all right? But here's the deal, like it's this crazy awesome thing that he rejoices. I, I wanna share a story and then get into the meat of the message. All right, I'm not there yet. I'm building up. We're gonna focus on the prodigal son and we're gonna go through that and, and touch on that for quite a bit today. Jesus' baptism. And, and I wanna just plant this thought. And I've, I've said a lot of this in here and this is a message that is just part of my heart and I, it's, it's gonna be something I repeat often. Sometimes when the Bible and the Lord wants us to get something, it repeats itself, right? So I'm not old, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not senile, I don't forget, I'm, I do forget some things, all right? I am not old, but I turned 40, but I'm not old, okay? Right, everybody? If you're 60, you're not old. If you're 80, you're not old. If you're 100, you're old, okay? I told somebody this week, like, if I make it 98 or 99, like, if I'm in my 80s, I'll probably do a do not resuscitate order, all right? And I'll, that's a good life. I'll be happy to live in my 80s. I'll be blessed. I'll be thankful for that because the Lord promises 70, but 80 if you're righteous. I'm trying to be righteous, so I'm hoping for 80, okay? So if I get to that point, I'll probably do not resuscitate. But if I make it to 98, I am pulling that order, and I don't care what you got to do. If I make it to 99, you keep me on a ventilator or whatever because I'm going to be like, God, I've made it to 99. I'm going to make it to 100, you keep me alive. I don't care if you have to continue chest compressions for a year. If I make it to 99, I want the 100. Okay, I've digressed. So, Jesus' baptism comes to the Jordan. He's, being he's confronting John the Baptist, baptize me. John's like, man, I'm not worthy, baptize me. So he gets baptized, paraphrasing here in a quick version of this story. All of a sudden, the heavens open up, and the Father says, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. This is amazing. Jesus is around 30 years old. He hadn't done a single miracle. He hadn't preached Sermon on the Mount. He hadn't died on the cross for his great assignment on the earth as a son. Okay, let's not forget that the Father commissioned his son. We need to be sons and daughters before we can be fathers and mothers. 
So as a son was commissioned, but he hadn't done any of that yet, but yet the father's saying, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. I'm proud of you, boy, not because the miracles you've performed, not because of the messages you've preached, and not because you've died on the cross yet, because you haven't done any of that. I'm proud of you because you're my son. 30 years of identity, 30 years of sonship, 30 years as walking as a child of God to do three, the next three years of ministry. I believe before the assignment, we have to have this alignment and get it in our hearts to know we are beloved sons and daughters. As Leif says, be loved. We're not human doings or human beings. Be loved. Just be, just be. We're, we have a hard time in our culture just being, just resting, just receiving that love, knowing that we're worthy enough to receive that love. We'll get to that at the end. So we go to the prodigal story, Luke 15, 11 through 32. This is a parable. It's in red letters. Jesus is telling the story. He talks about a lost coin, talks about some other things around this area. And this is the lost son. And for the sake of time, I'm going to paraphrase, but I'm going to go through the whole story. But please, please, please read this. Get it in your heart. Luke 15, 11 through 32. Luke 15, 11 through 32. So it's a story of, a pro of, a, of two sons. It's a father and two sons. And what's happened is, it's really a story of, of a prodigal son who, who is an orphan, an older brother who's a slave, and then the love of a father. It's not as much really a story about an orphan or a slave son as much as it is about a loving father. But here's the deal. So, so an orphan is somebody who thinks they don't belong. They're not worthy. They're not good enough. They're not, they don't measure up, right? And a slave thinks they have to earn everything. They have to strive and perform and do all of these things to earn God's love, right? An orphan just thinks, man, I've done too much. I don't belong. God could never love me. I'm never good enough. Sometimes maybe even a battle of infirmity, maybe battles of, of my identity is looped into this diagnosis or my identity is looped into what people have called me. And then that becomes a form of how I operate and think because I'm an orphan thinker. I'm an orphan mentality, an orphan spirit. A slave is, says, man, I don't even belong. We'll get to the end of the story to kind of depict this. But a slave is, man, I got to work. I got to work more. I got to strive more. I got to perform more. I got to fast more. I got to memorize more scripture. Maybe if I do that, Jesus will love me more. You got your heart wrong. All of that is important, and it's vital for the disciplines of a spiritual walk and life and closeness with intimacy with the Lord. But not so that we do it, he'll love us more. No, he just loves us. Nothing we do or don't do will change that love, but that draws us a closeness and relationship with the Father, with the Lord. I do all those things, but I don't do it to say, if I do this, he'll love me more. No, he already loves you. Like, let's get past it. Like, he loves you. He created you. He loved you. He knit you together. All right? So we get to this story, and this, it's basically the son who takes his portion of his inheritance and goes, and he spends it on what one version calls riotous living. And at the end, the, the, the older brother confronts it. You spend all the money on harlots and prostitutes and all of this stuff, right? So he spends this, his portion of the inheritance. He leaves the home. And now, now remember, this is Hebrew Jewish culture. So he takes it. He leaves. And it gets to the story where all of a sudden he's in a hog pen. He's in this hog pen and he's eating the waste that the pigs wouldn't even eat. Now, remember, in that custom, they wouldn't eat pork. But yet, he's eating the waste that the pigs won't even eat, which is even lower thing in that culture, okay? So painting it, like he is at the bottom of the bottoms, he is at his, his bottom. And all of a sudden, a couple of versions here, it says that he came to himself or he came to his senses. There's a couple of different ways that versions say this. But he came to himself. He came to his senses. 
Then we get to the portion here. Then all of a sudden, he, he, he journeys back to the house. Now, I wanna, I wanna just focus on this for a minute because Paul talks about the spirit of adoption in Romans 8 and Galatians 4. He talks about that we're no longer orphans or slaves, but we're heirs, co-heirs with Christ. We're heirs to the kingdom where we can cry out, Abba, Father, through the spirit of adoption. I believe this, and this is what I want to propose, and this would be my, my take on this, is that I believe he had some form of a deep encounter in what I would think is maybe a spirit of adoption, maybe, maybe a revelation of sonship, something to the depth where all of a sudden, going from spinning on riotous living in an orphan to now, he's coming to his divine nature. The way that the Lord created him, he came to himself, his divinity, his, his divine nature, his divine created being of who he was supposed to be. All of us through our lives, we believe these lies. We believe what people say about us. And it, sometimes it changes the course of history because it changes the way I think and see myself. One of the things about prophecy is it highlights you to the Lord and allows you to see yourself the way he's seeing you. And sometimes there's these lies and there's these things and these mistakes or these courses of things in our life, maybe trauma, maybe abuse, that change the course of how we think in these lives. And all of a sudden, we walk outside of who we were called to be and we walk outside of ourself, of who we were created to be. And all of a sudden, what we have to do, all of us, regardless of where that was, because of sin, we have to come to this point where we're receiving Jesus, and now we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind through things like the spirit of adoption, where we're seeing ourselves as sons and daughters, little boys and little girls with this great big dad. It changes the way we see things. So I believe that moment happened there, because then here's what happens. He goes to the house, and from afar off, the father sees him and bounds to him. Now, in that culture, there's a thing called, I believe how you pronounce it, kazaza. And what that was was where if a son in that culture would return after leaving with the inheritance, the mother could greet him at the gate and then send him off forever. He was never to allowed to return again. But breaking all customary laws or, or popularity or customs, the father sees him from afar and he runs towards him. In that culture, it was wrong for a man to run. God is not afraid to break culture and pursue you and run after you and chase after you, even if you're messy and stinky and just came from a hog pen, just came from sin. He is bounding towards you. And all of a sudden, he starts to lavish him. 1 John 3, 1 says, look at the great love that you've lavished on us. And it says that, that we are children of God. That is what we are. This is what the father's doing in this moment. And I want to go through some of the things that, that the father did. All of a sudden, he put a robe on him. This robe's significant. This robe is, is a covering. It's comfort. It's safety. But it's also covenant. It's this robe. And, and what it is, it's clothed with identity and protection. If you remember the coat of many colors and, and also before Elijah could go pursue Elijah for the double portion, he put a cloak around him. Son of blessing to when he grabbed the mantle was the son of inheritance. He took a blessing with his portion of the inheritance, but now he's getting the inheritance. Let me, let me, let me go on here. Next became the ring. Now this ring is, is very, very important. This was the insignia ring of the family. This ring was so important that it was actually like the family crest or the family signature. So all of a sudden, it would be dipped in ink and signed for contracts and signed. This represented the full inheritance of the family. It wasn't no longer just his portion. Now it's all the inheritance. We as sons and daughters get the inheritance of heaven. 
Not just our ability, but all of us together now have the ability of the kingdom family and all of what heaven the Father has to offer. See, the signet ring, this was a big deal. No matter what he did, now he's got the family crest. He's got the family authority. He's got the inheritance of the entire family. And now the sandals, and this is a big one we're gonna focus on today, the sandals. Sandals represent peace. The sandals of peace. But what are sandals, sandals meant for? To go. When you're at home and you're kicked back, I, I don't typically wear shoes around my house. But when I go out, I put shoes on. This was not only significant that we're meant to go, but go in peace. It's, it's, this was purpose. This was, these were, okay, son, you were lost, now you're found. You were saved from the hog pen. You were saved from the orphan spirit. You were saved from your sin. Now you're saved for something. Here's the sandals. Go, you're clothed with identity. You have the family and signet ring. Now go and go in peace because you're being commissioned right now. You're being commissioned as a son, not an orphan. You're being commissioned as a son, not a slave. You're being commissioned as a son who's, who's meant for this moment in history and time, wherever you are. Let me move on here. Then the fatted calf. I'll wrap it up with this one. There's a lot more to this story, and it's really beautiful. The fatted calf. Now, the Moritzes, I don't think they're with us today. They got invited with uh, Justin's company to go this, this, how do you say it? Some type of beef in Japan. Ma Anybody know what that is? Ma mangu beef? Wagyu beef. Wagyu beef. He went to this place last night. I've texted him, how was it? Okay? There's only three restaurants in the nation that actually have the certified Wagyu beef from Japan. So I'm excited to hear this update. Well, this was that special thing that was saved. This fatted calf was this very unique, very, very, very amazing thing to celebrate. There's a lot of prophetic things about it. And, and, and let me just re read a few. A fatted calf is where restoration happens. It became an exchange, just like Jesus became an exchange for our orphan slave sin. This fatted calf was a symbol of the exchange of becoming sons and daughters. Now, then you have the brother from afar off. And the brother, he says, man, I've been in this house the whole time. I've been here this whole time, and I've been working for you, Dad. I've been striving. I've been, I've been keeping up with the crops. I've been keeping up with the, with the livestock. Or my little brother leaves. He, he spends all the money that I've kept, worked hard to preserve for our family, and now you're going to throw a party and, and, and kill the fatted calf for him? There was so much wrong thinking there. He wouldn't even go to the house and ask for himself. He sent a servant. See, one thing about orphan and slave mentality is we never think we belong into a family. We never think we're going to fit in. We never think, because a slave oftentimes has their eyes on others, and an orphan can't stop thinking about themselves. We're meant to be sons and daughters, where we're celebrated. We're celebrated who we are, not stumbling over who we're not. It's, it's this beautiful thing of, like, who the Lord's called us to be. Then all of a sudden, the father, man, the father's heart. Your brother was lost. My son was lost, but now he's found. We're going to celebrate and guess what? All of what I'm doing for him is also yours. It's all for all of us. This is the story of the prodigal son. Let me move on to another story. Jacob wrestling with the, with, with the angel or with God. I'm going to read this. Genesis 32, 24 through 31. I forgot to set a timer, so I have no grid for where I'm at, but we're just going to keep on going. Amen? Yeah. 
So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. The man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. He said, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans. (laughs) How many have been there? You've struggled with God and humans. It's not me, it's them. (laughs) Struggle with God and humans. And then it says this, but he overcame. And he overcame. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Now, now I want to go through a, through, through a little bit here. It feels like we've been in a wrestling match. How many have felt like that at times in your life, maybe the last year and a half, maybe, maybe seasons, maybe growing up? It feels like you've been in a wrestling match. You might have a limp. You might be walking around. I, got, I, I know somebody I care dearly about. He says, never trust anybody who doesn't have a limp. So, so you might have a limp. It might feel like a struggle. It might feel like, man, I'm just getting beat up. But guess what? It's a name change time. It's a name change. You're no longer Jacob. You're Israel. You're no longer known as who you used to be. You're now known as who you're called to be. It's no longer your history that defines you. It's your destiny that God calls you by. It's this beautiful thing to where now it's not this thing to where I'm known by a number. I was arrested a couple times as a teenager, right? I've got numbers in the system, but I'm not known by that. I'm a son of God. I used to be called bully or fat or all these different things, right? I'm no longer known by them. I'm a son of God. You're no longer worthless or dumb or whatever anybody called you, all right? Infertile or all those naysayers, all those word curses, all those things. You're now a child of God. You're a new creature. When they came up in the water, when you received Jesus in your heart and you got baptized and you're saved, you're no longer of your old nature. You're a new creature. You're no longer Jacob. You're Israel. How many are excited about that? It's amazing how we identify people of their past rather than who God's called them to be. There's a story, and it's in uh, Luke 8. And it's this woman with the issue of blood. I don't have time to go into the depth of this. But it's amazing that we even still call her a woman with the issue of blood. But at the end, Jesus heals her and says, daughter, your faith has made you well. We're calling her a woman with the issue of blood because she had an issue of blood. Jesus healed her and he calls her by her true identity. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Listen, the world has called you a ton of things. Maybe your family's called you a ton of things. Your classmates maybe called you a ton of things. It doesn't matter because what God calls you is beloved. What God calls you is son and daughter, more than conquer, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. I kind of like that one. I'm a peculiar people. That's right. I'm weird and I like it. You're worthy. He calls you holy. He calls you for such a time as this. Those are God's identities for you, not what the world has to say about you. Oftentimes what the world calls you is what issue you had or what mistake you made, like a woman with the issue of blood. God doesn't look at you for your issues. (laughs) He looks at you for who he's called you to be and who he designed you to be, and he's calling you to come to yourself and come to your senses and see it the way he sees it. The last one, blind Bartimaeus. Same thing. We call him blind Bartimaeus. His sight was restored. (laughs) He's no longer blind, but he's blind Bartimaeus. 
seeing Bartimaeus. Let's just start calling, at least the upper room in our culture, we'll, we'll call him seeing Bartimaeus. Doesn't it even sound weird? Sometimes when we're getting used to what God calls us, it sounds a little weird. It sounds like we may not be worthy, but you are. We are. He removes the sin. He also removes the shame, and he removes the insignificance. He, re- he removes the worthlessness, and he calls you worthy. I'm, I'm finishing here. The, the band can come. One last verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. This is a declaration over you today. Then we're going to do an act, a fun activation. Did, does everybody have a pen and a paper? Need to, we're gonna, if you don't have a piece of paper, raise your hand. And we're going to ask somebody to pass those out. And we have a lot of pens and paper. We, we cut them just for you today. You have to do this. There's no option in this. God gives you free will and free choice. Today, I'm not giving you that. So, pen and paper. If you're at home or you're watching online through the week here, just grab a piece of paper right now. We're going to do an activation. Pen and paper. No one is going to see this. No one's going to read it. So it's going to be fun. Pen and paper. Just keep your hand up if you still need that, and we're going to get to you. While they're doing that, I want to declare a scripture over you right now. Jeremiah 29, 11. Leah, will you wave? There you are in the back. Hello. Leah heads up our cancer ministry. Speaking of going and speaking of signs, wonders, and miracles, my, my mom, she died. She got her upgrade. Some would say she died of cancer. She got her upgrade, okay? And, and we had two choices in our faith when we're a church that believes in healing. We had a choice to say, okay, well, I guess God doesn't heal, or let's go after this thing, and let's go. So we chose to go. So we have a, a service once a year for healing, and she also heads up this thing and goes into the cancer wards, and we pass out these gift bags and a flower. And on that flower is this verse. And we're declaring it over people who may have a different diagnosis. We're declaring it over diagnoses. We're declaring it over people. We're declaring it over a generation. We are declaring this verse, and we're declaring it over you today. And it says this, For I know the plans that I have for you. Not plans of death, not plans of illness, not not plans of of singleness if you want to be married, not plans of not having children if you want to have children. Those aren't the plans for you. But he says, For I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans for a hope and a future. Like this is the Lord's plans for us. Plans of blessing, plans of hope, plans of a future, plans of prosperity, plans to go. Plans for alignment for our assignments, right? Plans of drinking all of him in so that we can leak out onto others. That our cup is so full that it runs over. Listen, when something gets in me, it has to get out of me. Freely I receive, freely I give. That's, that's one of my identity as a son, and my identity as being full of Jesus, full of his presence, full of his spirit. All of a sudden, everywhere I go, just gets to leak out. And sometimes people need encouragement. Sometimes they need love. Sometimes they need, they need uh, a nudge. Maybe, maybe they need accountability. Maybe they need healing. Maybe they need uh, emotional support. There's all these things. All of a sudden, when I get filled up, I just get to leak that out. But his plans are to prosper you for a future, for life. The enemy is who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10. But Jesus came to give life, and life more abundantly. Here's what I want to do. It's an activation. It's fun. I do this in a lot of schools. I did this in Norway this week. I want you to write down everything that anybody has ever called you, any 
maybe criminal, maybe addict, maybe dumb, maybe ugly, maybe fat, maybe infertile, whatever. Maybe it's even a diagnosis. Anything that's negative, anything that's derogatory, anything that, that is not who God called you to be. I want you just to write that on a piece of paper. This is only for you. No one will read this. We are not keeping these. We have a fun way to dispose of them, okay? But this is gonna be very private, only to you. So I want you to write that down on that piece of paper, everything. Maybe it's, maybe it's cheater or liar, whatever. Maybe it's part of who your past was. It's not who God's called you to be. Just, just write that on there. Maybe it's abuser, divorced, or, or these things that are just not the labels that the king gives you. Be worthless. Maybe sick. Maybe an adulterer. Maybe a drunk. If you're watching online or through the week, just write this down. Write them down. It's going to give you a moment. List form is fine. However, just write them on the paper. Doesn't matter how they get on there. Will you add these two at the bottom? Slave, orphan. God doesn't call you to be a slave or an orphan. Here's what I'd like to do. I want you just to fold that, maybe once or twice, just fold that. If you're at home, do the same, just fold it. I want to pray for you. And, and I want you to hold your hands out. Hold that in one of your hands and just hold your hands out. I want to pray for impartation. I want to pray that everything that you wrote down there, God canceled it. As much as he canceled sin on the cross, he canceled every one of those labels, every one of those curses, every one of those judgments, he canceled. Every one of those lies, he canceled. Just as much as he canceled sin, he canceled every one of those. And he gives you a new name. You're new creatures. You're no longer labeled by who you used to be. You're no longer labeled by what people call you. You are righteous. You are holy. You are a royal priesthood. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are his beloved. You are worthy. That's who you are. Jesus' price that he paid was so that you could be whole when he was broken. So Lord, I just pray right now for the cancellation 
of every one of those labels, every one of those previous identifiers, every one of those word curses and judgments and declarations that led to death. Right now, we release your word over each of us in this room and that's watching online right now. We release sonship and daughtership in the spirit of adoption right now. Where we're no longer slaves, we're no longer orphans, we're no longer tied to lies or curses or judgments, but we are your bold and living generation, your, your royal priesthood, your sons and your daughters. I pray right now for the spirit of adoption to happen in this place, where we can cry out, Abba, Father. Just receive that right now. I believe right now the Father's going deep in some wounds. He's going deep in some hurts, deep into some trauma right now. And I believe he's healing right now. He's healing orphan spirits and wounds. He's healing slave mindsets. He's healing abandonment. He's healing trauma and abuse. He's, a, he's healing past mistakes and choices. Lord, right now, the spirit of adoption, let us come to our senses here. Let us come to our divine nature and who you've called us to be. We are sons, we're daughters of the most high king. You are the king of kings. We're your co-heirs, we're your brothers, we're your sisters, we're, we're the princes and princesses that you've commissioned for such a time as this, Lord. Well, we thank you for the spirit of adoption. We are not weak, we are not worthless, we are not forgotten, we are home. We are home and we are safe, we are secure, we have hope, we are not hopeless. We are not anxious. We have peace. We are not fearful. We have love. Everything that you wrote down, we thank you in your name, Jesus. Amen. Everything that you wrote down there, God is exchanging it. There is a great exchange that took place on Calvary. There's a great exchange that already took place on your behalf. And everything you wrote down, God exchanges that for an incredible, extravagant upgrade, whatever it was. So here's what I'd like you to do. Those things don't define you, they are covered by the blood, all right? And typically we have this red tape up here and didn't have time for that. I want you to bring each of those papers up here. I want you to rip them up and just lay them on the altar. They are covered by the blood, that's no longer who you are. If you're home, I want you to rip them up and throw them in a trash can. I'm gonna carry all these up. My family's having a bonfire tonight, we already planned it. I'm gonna take every single one of these, I'm gonna throw them in a bag and I'm gonna burn them at the altar of Jesus because he covered them with his blood. So today, I just want you to, to rip these up. That's how we're gonna end service, just come up. And I don't care, you can rip them up and stomp on them, you can throw them down. Listen, that is no longer who you are. You are sons and daughters of the Most High King and he loves you, he has called you to go and this is our alignment for his assignment. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. I can't wait to be with you next week.